When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. Megan, did you get rest last night? Not much, not much. Between the Pac-12 and the Cedarville, it was a long night. <laughs> well, that's bad news because do you know what month it is? It's March. <laughs> yeah, we ain't it sleeping. It is here. <laughs> yes, it is here. We're talking women's hoops on CSN Loaded Show. Rob Joyce, Megan Gower, what would you expect? Best month of the year is here. No time to waste. We will recap the week. We'll get you set for what is admittedly a little underwhelming weekend. Uh, Stakes-wise, every high major one seed has already been wrapped up. Of course, we'll hit on the big news from yesterday. Caitlin Clark off to WNBA. Probably a party in the fever front office last night. The final top 16 uh, revealed by the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee was last night. We have a guest. Yesterday, Megan and I had a chance to catch up with the head coach of Ohio State, Kevin McGuff. Buckeyes hot. Haven't lost yet in 2024. Head to Iowa City on Sunday with the Big Ten regular season championship already wrapped up. All that coming. Megan, we need to catch up. You missed last week's show. You were off partying in New Orleans. One, you're here. Congratulations. You survived. Uh, Good job there. Did you eat any king cake? I did not have any king cake, no. Did you have any beignets? Yes. Okay. One out of two. Did you acquire any Mardi Gras beads? Yes. Did. Were you politely asked to leave any establishments? No. So to not get kicked out of any bars. So to win. <laughs> so you had a good time. Yeah. Well, we missed you. Glad that you got back safe and sound. How was Fairfield? Megan was out, you know, me, poor me, was watching ACC hoops on, you know, like seven different screens. And Megan's out at the only one lost team in the country, Fairfield. The Stags with a win over Quinnipiac. Yep, whatever Quinnipiac. They have a beautiful arena, by the way, for anyone that's in Connecticut. 
get down there. But yeah, I mean, I was impressed with their defense. They're small, so like they absolutely have to get really lucky with their their draw in the tournament. But de- defensively, they were impressive. If you get like a, I don't know how many games are in the, oh god, what conference? Don't tell me. Honestly, the Mac, the Metro, Metro. I think it's Metro. I'm looking it up. I don't know either. And I was just there last night. So the Metro Atlantic Metro. Athletic Conference. All right. So if you're like 28 and one, what's your, I understand the net is probably terribly bad. What is that like a 14 seed? Yeah. They're like right on the line between a 14 and a 13. I think they might get the 13, assuming there's some upsets and also that they um, are. Like, only have one loss. I think that bumps them a little bit above some of the, you know, 23 and two teams that are above them or whatever, or three teams. Boy, Marist is in last place in the MAC. There, <laughs> there was a time when Brian Georges had that thing humming, yeah. winning tournament games, and apparently he ain't walking through that door. Uh, all right, enough MAC talk. <laughs> However, we can talk seeds because the top 16 reveal, the second one, the last one. Uh, is coming some fairly significant changes from the first one of note. UCLA is the fourth one seed as Colorado tumbles from a one seed all the way down to a four because, well, the Buffs have barely won since the first reveal. Um, Virginia Tech bumped up to a two. LSU, a big mover. Uh, They go from a four to a three, but the overall seed number, they move up a bit. Megan, overall, I'm going to be honest, I don't really have any complaints about any of this top 16. Yeah, the only complaint I have is I don't love Oklahoma getting in just because I don't like I understand how hot they are. I don't think you should get to lose to the 220th team in the net and get to host the first round. All right. If if you missed it. But, yeah. No, continue. Yes. I was going to say other than that, no complaints. So I think beyond that, it was pretty much almost exactly as I expected it to look. And of course, based on last night's results, you can basically already throw this right. out the window. But Albany won. South Carolina's shockingly the overall number one seed <laughs> iowa would be in the albany one regional that'd be spicy for you conspiracy theorists out there also there's no go ahead put on your tinfoil hat <laughs> uh, oregon state and then oklahoma uh albany two would be ohio state usc who jumps up a seed lsu and colorado uh portland stanford texas nc state indiana and then uh portland four ucla virginia tech yukon and gonzaga Zags are new. I know you were a, a proponent of them being a host the first time around. Yeah, I was happy to see them in there and not just on the bottom line, too. So they've got a little cushion. Granted, they just have to win out probably to stay there and hope no one would be below them as some kind of crazy March performance. Yeah, Kansas State and Louisville are the teams that have exited in place of the Sooners and the Zags. Uh, I don't expect either of them to make an appearance uh, in the actual bracket, but a team like Notre Dame's probably sitting right there. Who yeah. else? Who else do you think they don't tell us who's just on the outside looking in? But I'd say Notre Dame and honestly, yeah, Notre Dame is who I had kind of. Well, I didn't have Oklahoma in it or right there, but that's maybe my Big Twelve bias showing through. But yeah, I had Notre Dame sitting right there to make it in. Utah too, but they just keep being so up and down. I feel like it's it's hard to tell, but I think they've benefited from the fact that both Syracuse and, and Louisville had a rough last week. My big question out of all of this, because again, I don't really have any complaints about where they put teams like NC State, 
hasn't looked great. They're probably a three seed. Virginia Tech has looked better despite last night's loss. They're probably a two seed. Would they have the fortitude, is the word I'll use, to put UConn out west for real? Because I don't think. I think this is entirely for show, and they'll find a way to put UConn in Albany, and then I the world is going to collapse everywhere else outside of stores Connecticut and that fandom. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think UConn's going to Albany, and I think there's no way that Iowa is going to be in South Carolina's region. Like, there's no way that they're putting Iowa in that path to the Final Four either, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'm not conspiracy theory guy. <laughs> I mean, ratings matter, right? That's part of it. Whatever. Yeah, and that Elite Eight, <laughs> potential Elite Eight rating would be through the roof. Um, right. I, but they want Iowa to get to the Final Four. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> unfortunately, we are not at a place attendance-wise. TV ratings-wise, we're getting there, and we're almost yeah. there, especially – you know, Caitlin Clark, South Carolina is always a big draw. LSU is a big draw. We're not at a place yet where you can have like true neutral site yeah. games. Like I, I go back. Part of that's the TV window. Like it's hard to get people to go. Like the men's tournament goes, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Women, like you're you're leaking into a Monday. It's just it's harder. Mm-hmm. So part of that I get. But like Wichita hosted a regional a couple of years ago. And it was, I think, Michigan and Louisville. Like that says like reasonable of a neutral site game as you could possibly get. It's not that far for either fan base. Like nobody was there. Yeah. Like it just doesn't look good. So that being said, yeah, they, they ain't putting UConn in Portland. There's no way. No way. And sure, like we can talk, you know, is it fair? Probably not, blah, blah, blah. We can have that discussion if and when uh, that reality happens. And UConn has to get to the Sweet 16 uh, right. before that would happen. So that's that's my only real question from the top 16. Um, any other big takeaways? I mean, NC State, a decent fall. LSU, a decent climb. UCLA, I know you, you, uh, you're a big proponent of them being a one seed the last time around, and it looks like they're starting to find their form. And it looks like the committee, now that Lauren Betts is back, is kind of, they've made their position clear of, sure, the Bruins lost a couple of games, but it was without their, one of their two best players who was, yeah, I actually don't know how much the Lauren Betts thing factored into that. I think it was also just like a benefit to UCLA of like everyone above them lost. And yeah, they lost like that buzzer beater to Oregon State, but that's as good as a loss as you get. And then they had two good wins over Utah and Colorado. Um, so I think that might have been part of it too. I don't know how much that was the injury and how much it was just like they just did better than the teams above them over the last sense. two weeks. Yeah, because I'm sitting here going, who the hell would you have put in that first right. spot instead of them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's kind of how I felt yesterday. And I was like, is this my, or two days ago when I was up today, I was like, I don't know if I'm being biased because I love UCLA, but I think they have to go there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so no more reveals. Bracket is released two weeks from Sunday. Two weeks? Two weeks yeah. from Sunday. I don't know. Time is time is a mere construct, Megan. Uh, <laughs> other big news from yesterday. We'll get to the games in a bit. Caitlin Clark, senior day. I know Iowa has will have two NCAA tournament games. Senior day, Sunday, Ohio State's in town. A lot of seniors for Iowa being honored. So, Caitlin Clark, seems like something Caitlin Clark would do, announces beforehand that she is off to the WNBA. Don't think it surprised many people, but it was just going to linger until she said one way or the other. Your initial thoughts, 
um, reactions to the Indiana fever. <laughs> they took full advantage on social. The fever are on the clock, and uh, I don't think they're going to spend much time on it. Yeah, I think there's a pretty obvious choice there. But yeah, I don't think it was surprising. I felt like it kind of felt like the writing was on the wall that she was going to leave after this year. So I was going to be, I think, surprised if she stayed more than anything. Um, but probably nice for her that she won't have to now be asked every game if she's staying or leaving. I'm not a big recruiting guy. I think they have a decent class coming in next year, but like, all the, these teammates that she's played with for so long. Like Monica Sonano left last year, but Gabby Marshall's gone. Kate Martin is gone. I think Molly Davis is gone. Obviously, she hasn't won a championship yet. This is her last run. Like, what else could she have possibly accomplished on an individual basis that would justify coming back next year? Like, if you want to set the scoring record by... 900 a thousand more points and like it's never going to be touched like sure but like i just like she's done what she needs to do at the college level and this isn't a, like a she chases stats and accolades thing like get out of here with that nonsense mm -hmm. if like genuinely what else is she going to do at the college level that she hasn't already done she's going to be consensus player of the year she's broken every individual scoring assist record that there possibly is and it's, it's time yeah i agree i think it just makes sense um, so Paige Beckers back, Caitlin Clark gone. So that leaves us. There are still a number of players who can announce one way or the other. Cameron Brink hasn't said, did you see her Instagram post earlier in the week? I did not. She posted no. a picture, I think with her sister that said, um, what, what was the caption? I have it written down here. Maybe I don't have it written down here. <laughs> it said like, thanks. Thank you to Maples for the memories. It's like, all right. It feels like sure. she's out. Feel I like feel like, yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, she's won a national title. She's, yeah. if Caitlin Clark didn't exist, Cameron Brink, I think, would be the runaway national player of the year. Yeah. Um, again, like, what more is there to accomplish? Camilla Cardoso could come back. Angel Reese and Haley Van Lith could both come back. Those are potentially interesting. Um, Georgia Amore, Elizabeth Kitley has to go because she used her fifth year this year. I think Georgia Amore goes. And then Aaliyah Edwards. I think Edwards and Reese are the two that intrigue me the most. Yeah. Edwards, I would have leaned she'd go until Paige said she was coming back. Now it's like, all right, would there be one last hurrah? And then Angel Reese and Haley Van Lith. I think it's been it's such a weird year in Baton Rouge. I have a feeling if it doesn't end the way they want it to, I think they might run it back. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. I also wouldn't be shocked if, like, Kaylee goes somewhere else next year because I feel like the experiment has just not worked to her favor in terms of her draft stock. Um, Starting to play better, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Leah Edwards at this point has said that she's not making a decision until after the season ends. So I thought she said she made a decision, but she's nah, not. No, I think it's it. Nika that said she made a decision and isn't, hasn't announced it yet. Leah said she hasn't made a decision yet. Okay. Yes. Nika Mule could also come back for Connecticut. She's not on really the WNBA draft. So I'm looking at big time, like potential first round picks uh, here. And then obviously outside of this list, there are lots of more seniors nationally who could come back for their fifth year. We're just naming some of the notable ones. Um, Want to talk about some of these games last night? Yes. Well, first of all, you were, you were out last week doing your thing. You missed. You realize you missed the last <laughs> ever true pack 12 after dark you realize that right 
I know. I didn't realize it was all on Thursday this week. Thursday, Saturday, because yeah, because they want to get that extra day before uh for the, the tournament. Yep. That's a big deal for you. What are you gonna do next year on Fridays? <laughs> I, I don't want to think about it. Watch the Big Ten, sadly. <laughs> they don't no. even play on Fridays. <laughs> the positive of that is normally when we record on Fridays, we're talking Pac-12 from five, six, seven days ago. Well, we can talk last night because game of the night, Arizona USC. Wildcats had a golden chance, golden opportunity to not wrap up a tournament bid, but put themselves on the right side of the bubble, almost guaranteed. They're up nine with three minutes to go. They're up five when Juju Watkins fouls out. Losing double OT. Tough to see. Yeah, really, really tough for Arizona. I felt like it was one of those games that once it went to overtime, you're like, I don't know that they're going to finish this off. I'd take this as a positive stepping stone for USC, not because, like, obviously, it's it's the Juju show a lot of the time, but in that last minute 41, they took four shots. Obviously, none were Juju, and they found a way to tie it and ultimately win it without their best player and have other people step up. Like, who made... Who was it that made? Uh, Caitlin Davis had six points in the last 90 seconds. Caleb Padilla had that game-tying three. Of those four shots, Juju's getting, what, three of them? Yeah. Like, just learning to win and being in situations where other people have to step up against a tournament-level team. So I was more impressed with USC than I have been at other times than maybe more impressive wins this year. Yeah, I agree. And I thought they showed a lot of good fight, especially with Juju on the bench. And they didn't, you know, give up the the loss. I mean, for Arizona, too, like, now you upset Stanford. You came this close to USC. Like, I don't – they're, like, really on the bubble, but it feels like a team that should be in the tournament. I pulled this up right before we jumped on. You know who they profile as? Oregon last year. <laughs> Ducks at this point last year were 16-13 and 13 in the regular season. Zona is 16-12. and 12. Ducks were actually better in the net. Arizona, I don't know if they've refreshed it yet today. They know. did. They just did. Yeah, Arizona was 33rd in the net yesterday. They, Yeah, they're still 33rd in the net. Win over Stanford and Utah. Similar to Oregon's profile last year, and the Ducks missed the tournament. Uh, now, obviously, situations are different. Bubble strength is different, especially a lot of these bubble teams. Two weeks ago, I said it was a strong bubble. Then everyone's lost every game, yeah. it feels like, <laughs> since. Um, I don't know. That's that's a chance. That they're. I think they're going to look selection- is it Sunday or Monday? Sunday. I forgot they moved it. Yeah. Selection Sunday. They're going to look back and go, boy, we had we had the Memory game on the ropes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, other result from Thursday. We might as well stay in the Pac-12. Stanford, Oregon State. Cameron Brink. A 20-20 game again. She's good. Yeah. That's, that's my official. Shocking development. <laughs> yes. That's my shocking development. That Cameron Brink is good at basketball. Oregon State uh, showed fight. No Reagan Beers still. I'm officially worried about the Beavers. Um, yeah. I think the no Reagan Beers thing is starting to get concerning. Yeah. I think one or two games, you're like, okay, this is now what we can number three. Three. She got hurt at the beginning of the UCLA weekend. I'm, I'm starting to get worried about when she's coming back. You can right. see her next weekend. You don't worry so much, but right now I'm worried. Right. I'm not so worried about like, them in tomorrow or the Pac-12 tournament, but if she doesn't come back, well, one, there's a chance she maybe doesn't come back at all. Secondly, if she comes back, she's been out long enough. 
Is there going to be any rust? Um, Pac-12 tournament, you don't have any any room for error, given the strength of the league. You could probably get away with it if Oregon State, I don't know, if they probably dip down to a four if they lose once or twice more. Like, you can get away with it for a game. But if you're strolling in and the 4-5 matchup in the second round, and she either hasn't played or has played very few minutes, yeah, for as much as I was high on the Beavs a couple weeks ago, um, I'm, it's wavering just because of, of that injury. Um, yeah. The fact that they only lost by four was yeah, that's impressive good. enough to me. Um, and then one other Pac-12 result of note, Utah Cruz passed Washington State. Cougs, are they going to make the tournament? I think they're probably okay as long as they like win a game in the Pac-12 tournament, which is a lot to ask, to be fair. It's not an easy... Yeah, lost, uh, they've lost seven of the nine games since Sarlis Ledger, Ledger Walker went down with that ACL tear. They are they right They're now have to play level. in that first game. Yeah, they got to win that first game. Yeah, they've dipped into the bottom four. The top eight seeds in the Pac-12 get a bye, or you could look at it as there's essentially a play-in with the bottom four. So they're going to get, assuming, who they lose to? If they get Colorado, so let's just say they lose to Colorado. I don't know what the tiebreakers would be. It looks like they could play Oregon, though. So they should get that one at least. Have to win. Yeah. Have to you win. cannot lose to Oregon and expect to make the, the yes. tournament. <laughs> or alternatively, if they were to dip down one more, I don't, again, I don't know how the tiebreakers work with Washington. They split in the regular season. ASU. Got to be ASU. Yeah. Have to win. Now, those are the only two wins they do have, Arizona State and Oregon, since Ledger Walker went down with that injury. Um, Utah, I still don't know what to make of the Utes. It's, it's so hard to read. They get They're... blown out by UCLA, then they beat USC. Now they cruise past Washington State. We'll see what they do with Washington. Like it's it's so up and down. Yeah, like last night again, Washington State isn't the team they were right. five weeks ago. That was never in doubt. Alyssa Peely is an All-American caliber player. She'd probably repeat as Pac-12 Player of the Year again without Cameron Brink. Mm-hmm. They, they more than anyone, if you told me they lost in the first round in like the 5 12 game or they're in the Elite Eight, you're like, yeah, sure. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yep. Sounds about right. Um, any other Pac 12 takeaways? Um, not much else happened in the Pac 12. Uh, we'll get to some of these bubble teams later because a lot of the Pac 12 bubble teams are on the road tomorrow Washington, yes. Cal, Washington State, then Arizona's at home. We'll get to that in a bit. Um, ACC. Do you see any of that NC State Syracuse game? I know you were at the Fairfield game. I did not, but I did see it went to overtime. Yes. Uh, did you see how it went to overtime? I did not. Cuse is down two with the ball. There's a foul at the buzzer oh that they initially <laughs> ruled out. It was a long, shockingly, it was a long delay. You know, couldn't do it in an yeah. ample amount of time. They ruled with point one on the clock, the foul occurred. Oh my God. I don't. My gut says it came after the buzzer. Either way, they made two free throws, and ultimately it didn't matter, but you still you played five more yeah. minutes than you needed to. Um, NC State, wavering on the Wolfpack. It was a win. Like, they needed to win. They'll be the two seed, right. assuming they beat lowly Wake Forest on uh, Saturday, Sunday, whatever day they play. I said last week, and nothing has changed in the last two games, their floor is higher than most, but what is NC State elite at? And like to to 
get to a final four and to compete for a national championship. Like you have to be elite at something. And I just don't think they are. I just think they're a good, very good balanced team, but that comes with a ceiling. Yeah, exactly. You have a lot of balance and a lot of good pieces, but like they don't have like a Elizabeth Kitley, like Virginia Tech has, or like I think having those type of players tends to elevate your ceiling because you just at some point you're going to need someone that's going to step up and really be able to play at the, the highest level. And I mean, NC State has had players show that throughout the season, but I don't know that they have anyone that consistently plays at that level. The Isaiah James home road splits are. Uh, drastic, because uh, I think she'd be the answer, or Sanaya Rivers might be mm-hmm. the answer. Uh, Louisville, they lost a couple of games, are still ranked somehow. I don't think they should be, but they beat Florida State, and then what was the big game last night? Oh, Notre Dame, duh. Yeah. Notre Dame, an impressive victory over what was a red-hot Virginia Tech team that made them look uncomfortable for 40 minutes, and the Hokies, like, they were never getting blown out, but they never really got that close either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's interesting. It's like you're looking at this Virginia Tech team going into that game, like they've won 10 straight. You're like, are they going to climb all the way to the one line by two Sundays from now? And then Notre Dame definitely put a stop to that pretty quickly. It's also a really good win for the Irish. I know that like Notre Dame has a few like not great losses, but I feel like they've got more quality wins than some of these teams in this top 16, though. I wouldn't be surprised to see them climb into it by next or two weeks from now. They don't have any bad losses. Blown yeah. out by South Carolina. They got swept by Syracuse, which, again, you'd like them to yeah. win one of those. They lost to North Carolina. Again, that's not a bad loss, but right. one that you'd like to have. Louisville. And then since they put up 43 points to NC State, the offense has found uh, a Something. new level. 70 <laughs> at Duke, which is hard to do. 74 Clemson, 79 Boston College. Big whoop. Yeah. 71 against Virginia Tech. And again, it's not just the Hannah Hidalgo show. She's been great. But like yesterday, Maddie Westbeld was the best player, I thought, on the floor. And if she can be that best player, she doesn't have to score 20 every game, but if she can consistently give 15 points and make like two threes, stretch the defense out, then this Notre Dame team is scary. Yeah. Agreed. They are the hottest team in the ACC. Technically, they've won four in a row now. Who do they close with? I just had it up. Oh, they have Louisville on yeah. Sunday. So that should so, be yeah. a pretty good game. Uh, Wednesday night, Iowa made a billion threes. They blow out Minnesota. Congratulations, Hawkeyes. You held an opponent under 80 for the first time in February. <laughs> uh, I don't know that that's that much of an accomplishment with Minnesota without Warren Brown. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Don't don't at me. Megan's not teasing. She's definitely (laughs) not. Um, I don't know. I don't think there's a whole lot of analysis. Like I know Iowa has the capability of putting a hundred plus on an opponent on a given night. If they do tip your cap, if they don't, you got a shot. Yep. Uh, Big 12, Oklahoma. We talked about them a little bit. They are the 16th team or are they the 15th seed? The 16th and final team yep. in the top 16 reveal. Late bucket, they win the Big 12 outright. They stun Texas. They sweep the Longhorns. I know you're down on them because of their early struggles. Um, I really like this team. They're, even if they were to slip up somewhere, because I don't think they have a whole lot of margin for error. Mm-hmm. If they lose, they probably get knocked out of the top 16. Maybe yeah. unless it's like the Big 12 title game. Like if they're a five seed, I don't want to see them strolling into my building. 
That's fair. I would agree with that. They're very hot right now, so no one wants to see the teams that are really hot coming into March. I don't know. I'm just not sold. Like I've said, I'm not sold on the Big 12. So, like, yes, they've won a bunch of games, and that's a large step forward from where they were at the beginning of the season. Texas does not get out-rebounded by 17. Yeah, yeah. And they they did on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, I'm also out mad on Kansas State. Yeah. Does that win get the Cyclones in? Oh, yeah. I think they're comfortable in at this point, I would say. K-State, they've lost five of eight. All those are by single digits. Three of those losses are by single possessions. They're not getting blown out. So they're not like that far away, but... They were winning a lot of these games earlier in the year. I wanted them to finish, I think I said, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whenever. I wanted them to finish 5-0 and because they played UCF, who they beat by two. West Virginia, that was a nice win. Then they lost to Kansas. They lost at home to Iowa State. Like, I wanted them to go 5-0, and and now they're 2-2 and heading to Texas Tech in this little stretch. Aoka Lee is back. I got an excuse. Yeah. Um, their, their star flamed out a little bit a month too early. I was never really sold on them, so I'm not can't say I'm surprised. Any other takeaways from I don't know a whole lot happened. Honestly, not a whole lot happened outside of last night. Like Wednesday, the Big Twelve games were good. Yeah. I was always entertaining when you make twenty two threes. Um UCLA handed Colorado a fourth straight loss. That was I hope you didn't watch that game. That was I didn't, yeah. I hope no one yeah. I like I want people to watch the games. If you missed that not one, that one. <laughs> you're good. That's a good one to miss. Um, and then we have, we don't really talk about the SEC because, I don't know, boring's the wrong word, but like South Carolina had it sewn up a long time ago. They right. murdered Arkansas last night. I will say, I know I was out on LSU. They're trying to tease they, me. To, they're trying they to tease me. Better. Yeah. yeah. They look better. I think a lot of their climbing in the, the top 16 is like an eye test thing. Like you beat like, I mean, Tennessee is a decent win, but like you beat Tennessee, you beat Auburn and you beat or Texas A&M in that stretch. Like it's nothing all that exciting in terms of wins, but they just look better. I mean, they've moved Haley Vanilith off the ball a little bit and she's starting to score more. They're starting to make more threes. They didn't shoot it great last night, five of 17, but the fact that they took 17, mm-hmm. like, I feel like that's progress for this right. team. And then even if they make five, like they don't need to make 22 threes like Iowa. Right. They can make, make five or six and just keep the defense respectable enough where you can let Reese and Morrow go to work. Um, they only had nine turnovers. Like they're, they're trying to tempt me. To go back in on him after I said I was out. Uh, by the way, Angel Reese, like, I think people, like, either they love her or they hate her, and she had the problems in November where she stepped away, and then they came back, and LSU just hasn't been, you know, in the top right. five all year, so it's kind of hidden by the wayside. She's playing like a first-team All-American. Oh, yeah. Her numbers are insane. Yeah, and I feel like it just overlooked. Kind of like last year it was overlooked because she had – because LSU had that bad game against South Carolina, so everyone uh-huh. just kind of was like dismissive. Yeah. I feel like it's similar this year of, oh, LSU preseason number one lost the first game, so we can stop caring about them. Like She's averaging 19 and 13. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> I'm almost ready to name my All-Americans. I have six names, and I need to f- figure out which one I want to cut, and it's very, very difficult. 
And I'm glad yeah, I don't have to go for this yet. for real. <laughs> There's just like, I feel like so many players that probably deserve it this year, but he can only pick five and it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Like last year we had five. I had five in like January and those right. were five. This year, like I'll give you my six. One, are you sitting down? Yeah. Caitlin Clark. Shocker. Can't believe it. <laughs> and then some ca- Cameron Brink. Yeah. Lock. I need to cut one of Paige Beckers, Juju Watkins, Angel Reese, and Elizabeth Kitley. And honestly, if you want to throw Hannah Hidalgo in there, like that's fine. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you pick. <laughs> they're, all, they're all great. I know Kitley put up a stinker last night. You're you're allowed one. Yeah. I I got nothing. Who who votes? Is that an AP thing? I know there's like probably seven. Yeah, there's multiple. There's there's AP. There's like the US BWA ones or whatever. I don't know. There's there's so many of them. There's like the one that has like the massive first team that's just like 15 people. Um, I don't know. There's, there's oh, we can talk. Them. We can save this for next <laughs> week. But if you are a conference and your all conference first team is more than five players, you are wrong. <laughs> you can have opinions. I don't care. You are wrong. Right. I pick five. five don't pick six. If you want six, because there's a tie, like fine, I'll be nice and give you a grace. If you have ten players on your first team, get out of here. No. <laughs> Conference isn't that big. Next year they'll be that big, but no, not that big. Yeah. <laughs> if the if the all American team can pick five to be all of America and right. all three hundred something teams for your conference. <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll talk some bubble teams in a bit, but first, as we put a bow on the recap, we talk about Iowa. However, the Ohio State Buckeyes are the one seed wrapped up after a Wednesday victory over Michigan, getting a little revenge after the Wolverines, the last team to beat Ohio state uh, pre new year's. I think it was December 30th and the Buckeyes haven't lost since they're up to number two in the country. They are ranked second nationally. They are 16 and one, and they have a heck of a trip Sunday going to Carver Hawkeye arena to take on Iowa yesterday. Megan and I had an opportunity to chat with the head coach of the Buckeyes, Kevin McGuff. You'll hear that. When we return here at college Sports. Time to head to Big Ten country here on CSN, one of the hottest teams in the nation. Winners of now 15 straight, fresh off a victory over Michigan on Wednesday. The Big Ten regular season champ outright, Ohio State. And we're pleased to be joined by the head coach of the Buckeyes, Kevin McGuff. Coach, thank you much for taking the time. I imagine things are pretty good right now. Yeah, you know, we had a really good win last night versus a very good Michigan team. And obviously that allowed us to, to clinch the Big Ten regular season title. Um, outright so good really great night for us and so but now we're moving on to the next one big one i hear uh off last year's elite eight run you know preseason top 10 then early on you have a couple of single digit losses to what wind up being top 10 teams usc ucla you lose on the road at you know rivalry game at michigan you're sitting there at 10 and 3 heading into the new year you haven't lost since did anything change at all once you got into the kind of the thick of big 10 play or is it just a matter of playing better I think it's two things. One, we have gotten significantly better. And I really credit our players um, that, you know, I've really, me and my staff, we've really emphasized like, hey, just show up every day, get better, and focus on the next game. And and they've done just that. And we are a significantly better team than we were um, when we first started Big Ten play. The other thing that has happened, two players in particular have really elevated their game. Cody McMahon wasn't playing great before Christmas and coming out of the breaks, he's 
practiced really well and she's back to playing like she did last year. So she's really impacting us in a positive way. And then Celeste Taylor has just gotten better each week um, or week after week and gotten more comfortable in our system. And she's really, really playing at an elite level right now. Yeah, Cody McMahon in particular had a you know a coming out party in the NCAA tournament last year, especially that UConn game, and then had a dip you know off until defense or offensively until December. But since that first Iowa game in particular, she's just been fantastic. How have you seen her grow and then kind of step up since she's been on campus? Yeah, you know, I just think like before, like prior to Christmas this year, she just wasn't playing at the level she was used to playing at and she was really frustrated and i think really just kind of in her own head and down on herself and and just kind of really overthinking it the the time at christmas away from basketball away from everything was really good from her she came back really energized and she has just really practiced at a high level she practices with such great intensity and, and then now she's even more focused than she's ever been and it's really you know obviously elevated her game and she's just really given us great minutes and then you mentioned Celeste Taylor. I mean, you play a very distinct style of defense that's hard for opponents to handle, but I imagine it takes a specific kind of player to not only do it, but the, have the will and the want to do it. So can you reflect back on when you first heard that Celeste was in the portal and then when she committed and then, you know, well, what has she added to this team? Because I feel like her style and your system match made in heaven. Yeah. So, well, first of all, I, I tried to recruit her two times before we finally got her. So <laughs> I, mean, I tried to get her out of high school and I tried to get her when she left Texas and it just, just didn't work out. You know? Um, so when she, she went in the portal, when she was at Duke, I said, well, I'll give it one more shot, obviously. And um, I was really excited to, to get her on campus, spend some time with her and just kind of talk through how I thought she could really impact us. And, you know, we do have a very, distinct style of play both offensively and defensively and it, it just doesn't happen overnight and her work ethic is incredible and so she she was working at it from the beginning and um but it just took a little while for her to get comfortable but she's such a great kid and such a great competitor and she's just been a really great fit for us and then jc sheldon as well i mean she missed two months last season came back in the postseason had a great ncaa tournament and then she uses the COVID year to come back for this year She's playing like an All-American. What has it been like watching her take full advantage of this extra opportunity of this season? Yes, she is just such a great kid. And we've been so privileged to have her in the program for five years. Just the way she represents herself in our program is just incredible. And just a a fierce competitor on the court. Um, She does so many things to make others around her better. She can also like create her own shots and just – uh, she's great in our defensive system as well. She's got great hands. She's got great speed and quickness. And so she's just awesome in the press. But uh, I, I could go on and on about all the great things she's done and, and how she's impacted us in so many ways. But just an amazing kid. And you, you have a starting five, JC, Cody, Celeste in, included that, you know, it stayed pretty much the same all year. One that's combined to play over 500 plus college games. They've started nearly 500 college games. Then you go to the bench. I mean, Ebony Walker. Tyre Parks, Ricky Harris, they've all played over 100 games. Just how yeah. valuable is that experience, whether they're starters or coming off the bench? It's it's really, um, really invaluable. And, and especially, I think, this year in particular, because around the country, there, there's so many experienced teams with people having, you know, kids using their COVID year and all that type of stuff that, you know, if you're going to if you're going to win in a, like a league like the Big Ten, you better have experience because it's just not a league right now for inexperienced teams to have success. 
that core too, it's largely the same from last year other than Taylor Mikesell being gone. At this time in the season, last season, the end of the regular season was a little tough. You guys lost six of 10 to close out the regular season, but then found your stride in the postseason. Has there been an emphasis on changing that narrative this year and ensuring that you're peaking as you're heading into March? Yeah, it's interesting. One, like a couple of things that we've really had to talk about this year is like early on, we lost a couple of those games. We lost UCLA and, and USC. And so we had to to handle some adversity and, and, and handle losing. Um, and then now we've had to handle winning. And so, and it's two different things. And so I think, you know, I credit our players for being able to handle both uh, at this particular moment. And so that's what we've really emphasized once we started to get on a little bit of a roll. It's like, hey, how are we going to handle winning, which is basically block out the noise of people, everybody's telling you, hey, you guys are doing great, this, that, and the other, and just continue to focus on what we do in practice every single day in the next game on the schedule. And that's really all that we have emphasized here um, as of late. Now all eyes on you on Sunday. You already have the one seed wrapped up in the Big Ten, but still a big game. You head to Iowa City to face the Hawkeyes. You know, obligatory Caitlin Clark question. You've had a scout against her now for four years. You know, not asking for X's and O's, but can you give us a sense of what it's like to try to scout for such a uniquely generational player who does everything? Yeah, you know, I, I think when she first got to Iowa, it was so much about her scoring. She's just such an incredible talent, and she can get her get a shot anytime she wants. And she was just putting up these huge numbers early on in her career. Um, but as she's evolved and grown as a player, it's really to me about how she makes everybody around her better, how she reads the floor. I mean, she's as good as anyone I've seen in 31 years of college basketball at coming off of ball screens and reading the the roller and then also what we would call tagging like if if there's somebody in the corner and our person's helping off to take away the role and what we call a tag and she's reading that and and she's going to throw a pass then to the person um, on the wing where our tagger's coming off of and it's going to hit them right in the hands where they want it to shoot it or she's going to hit the roll if we don't tag correctly. And she reads those things better than anyone I've ever seen. That's what makes her so hard to play against is because when you start doing those things, if you, when you combine that with the scoring that she has and, and how she's making everybody around her better, it, it not only just makes it hard to game plan against her, but it makes it hard to game plan against the entire team. Last question for you. It's a sellout on Sunday, you know, big, uh, environment on the road and then the big 10 tournament is also entirely sold out for the first time ever attendance is up in most places and of course clark is a, a big factor in that but you guys have been in the big 10 for a while what's it like to just see this explosion and attention to the league and then the sport as a whole in the last few years yeah it's, it's awesome i think this it's, it's a great time to be a part of women's basketball and I, I think in particular the big 10 attendance is up everywhere and i mean we've been playing in front of incredible crowds We've had amazing attendance here in Columbus at Ohio State, and it's just awesome. This is what the the young women in, in each of all these programs deserve to play in front of these crowds. Well, congrats on the season so far. Still work to do. Best of luck the rest of the way, and uh, thanks so much for taking some time out. I appreciate you guys having me on. Our thanks to Coach Kevin McGuff for joining us as Ohio State heads to Iowa. It's the game of the weekend in women's college hoops. Uh, that obviously steals the spotlight. But, Megan, I want to get to – there's very little drama this weekend. At least top, top, top of the polls. 
every one seed in the high major tournaments is wrapped up already. So let's focus on resident bracketologist, some of these bubble teams. Start in the Pac-12. I don't know how far removed from the bubble some of these teams are, but their names are thrown around enough where we'll just mention them. Washington is at Utah. Cal is at Oregon State. Washington State at Colorado. So all on the road against top 25 teams. Arizona hosts UCLA. I know Arizona's probably on the right side. Any of those other teams, like is Washington, Cal, do they need to go on like some miracle run? Yeah, I'd say Washington and Cal are out barring some kind of miracle run where they like make a final, semifinal. Semifinal might do it in the Pac-12 just because of the number of teams you would have to play that are ranked to get to the, the semifinals, but they're going to have to go on a, a run that I don't think anyone expects them to go on in the Pac-12 tournament to be back in that conversation at this point. Washington State and Arizona, I think, are definitely part of the conversation still, though. Washington State, I worry that if they don't pick up, I know I think I said earlier that, like, if they win a game, they're probably fine, but we've seen, like, I think the committee put a lot of emphasis on recent performance, so that would make me a little worried just because they're, obviously, their recent performance is, is not great. They've been struggling down the stretch. Uh, and then Arizona, I don't know. I don't know that you're going to beat UCLA, but that would certainly put you on the right side if you could do it. But otherwise, I think, you know, they win a game or two and next weekend that they, they might be able to stay on the right side. Pac-12 has six locks, the six ranked teams. I don't know. I feel like the six doesn't feel like enough for this conference. So I think the committee right. will probably reward a team like Arizona and maybe even give a team like Washington State the benefit of the doubt. That playing in such a tough league right. matters. I, yeah, I kind of agree. I think, I don't know. I'd prefer to see like a couple more half 12 teams in there over a team that's like sub 500 of the SEC, for example. Uh, so that's Saturday because, again, Pac-12 isn't Friday, Sunday this week. It's Thursday, Saturday to close out the regular season. Big 12, Kansas on the bubble hosting Oklahoma. Jayhawks are 12-1 and at home this year. Uh, maybe a, a letdown game of sorts for Oklahoma, but how badly does Kansas need this win over what would be a top a top 16 win in the net? Yeah, I think Kansas could really use that win. They're hovering right around the bubble. I think I have them on the wrong side of it right now. Yeah, they're the first team out. My latest, I think this win probably pushes them to the right side of it. And then Iowa State. I know you said they're in classic, though. Letdown, like a trap game. Yeah, you Saturday against Cincinnati. Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. How devastating would it just, just take care of business there? Yeah, take care of business. You're fine. Like non-issue. Yeah. Uh, one I'm watching, because I don't know what else I'm going to watch on Saturday, because <laughs> not a whole lot of these games intrigue me, slash I don't have the Pac-12 network. Um, ESPN Plus, 2 o'clock. St. Joe's is at Duquesne. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I can name a single player on Duquesne. However, they're 13-3 and three in a very, very good A-10. Can't lose for the Hawks. Need yeah, they, they need that win. Um, they need that win or they need to win the, the A-10 tournament, which is also doable for, for St. Joe's. Um, so would Richmond, who they're playing someone towards the bottom half of the conference, I think, 
like Richmond, St. Joe's, VCU was a twenty-five and four record too. Yeah, is is that dream of a multi-bid A ten alive still? I think it's alive. I think it depends on how like other conferences shake out. You can't have like a bid stealer in the Ivy, a bid stealer in the Mountain West, things like that. There's team conferences that have teams that are clear at large bids. Um, the, if they shrink the bubble, I think the two bid A ten is is going to be one of the first things to go, but it's what not about, dead. What about a two-bit Ivy? Is that Two-bit Ivy is definitely a possibility, too. I don't know that Columbia is going to have enough to be an at-large. I think if Princeton lost again to Columbia in the, the final, they would probably stay in the field, though, so that would be a two-bit Ivy. Yeah, Columbia is 19-5, and five, but... Season opener, but still it matters. A loss at Stony Brook, who is a pretty good team in the Coastal. Mm -hmm. uh, losses to SEC bottom feeders, Georgia and Florida. Uh, so chances to pick up, like, they beat Pro Villanova, who they're outside Probably. the bubble, right? Yeah, yeah. We really talk Big East. It. We can talk Big East. I'm not convinced Marquette should be a tournament team. I think they're fine as long as they take care of business against Butler and then win a game next weekend, but that doesn't necessarily going to happen. So I think it, we'll see what they do. Like yeah. They're, they're 21 and seven. I'm looking at their schedule now. The, they beat Creighton. They split with Creighton. That's their win. Yeah. Like their win over Illinois, which was top 25 at the time has aged poorly. Right. Went over Arkansas. Arkansas is on the fringes of the bubble. Didn't they beat like UNLV or someone? They beat someone. Mm, they beat or Penn, maybe. Boston College. Again, eight, you know, yeah. ACC bottom feeder. They got blown oh, out. Oh, no, that was, I think, Seton Hall to beat UNLV. Yeah, they got blown out by UConn at home. It was a game for a little while. Uh, I'm thinking of Villanova, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, yeah got blown out by UConn. I don't see it. Um, Creighton is in, UConn's in, Villanova probably needed to pull off an upset against UConn. Right. That was a bad loss to Butler that they had a couple weeks back. Yeah, you can't lose to Butler. So you're looking at two bid potentially Big East? Yeah, I think Marquette might sneak in there as long as they, like I said, they win this weekend and win a game next weekend. But that'd be disappointing after last year's, what, five? Yeah, yeah, it's a, a disappointing. Yeah, I feel like last year the league was so exciting, and this year it's just I'm not even going on Saturday. I'm just going Sunday and Monday next weekend. Oh, to the Big East tournament? Yeah. You're going to go see your girl Lucy? Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that she'll play on Sunday. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, <laughs> Sunday, ACC Notre Dame Louisville is probably the highlight. I want to talk Miami, who cannot lose to Georgia Tech, a Georgia yeah. Tech team that just lost to Wake Forest. Miami, I think, probably in the field somewhat yeah. comfortably still, but they picked a bad time to have a three-game losing streak. Like Syracuse and Florida State is fine. A non-competitive loss at Virginia Not a couple weeks back, yeah. that was a bad one. Yeah. Yeah, they, they need to beat Georgia Tech. I still have them pretty comfortably in the field. I think they're at the bottom of the nine line, so they're not too, too far out, but... And then Big Ten, Iowa, Ohio State, obviously. Again, that's the big one. We can talk about that if you want. First game went to overtime. 
in Columbus. That was kind of the, the coming out party for the Buckeyes on this resurgence. They'd won beforehand, but Cody McMahon was great in that mm-hmm. game. I think the win streak comes to an end on Sunday. Like they're walking into a buzzsaw again. Yeah. Iowa will have two NCAA tournament games as like the, the celebration, but like, it's going to be a party on Sunday. Last regular season home game for not just Caitlin Clark, but all of these seniors who have been there for five years. Like, yeah, it's a hard environment to win it. <laughs> Very hard environment to win it. I think you'll know if Iowa makes the first three. So if Caitlin Clark makes her first three, <laughs> it's over. Just pack yeah. up. Yeah. Try I to. I do. I still have the concerns about their defense, though. And oh, like, yeah. Cody McMahon, I don't know, could just make them pay on that so badly. Yeah, um, but, but if you if I you told me hard place to win, <laughs> twenty two is excessive, like they did on a Wednesday. But if you told me Iowa made like sixteen threes, yeah, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. And I I wouldn't really put a whole lot of stock in it from the Ohio State side. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, big game for the bubble. Penn State finally won a game again. They got Minnesota. Yeah, they got. You have to beat Minnesota to stay in there. I think. Um, Penn State has been creeping towards the wrong side of the bubble with the way that they've played the last few games. I think they're the second to last team in right now on my end. And yeah, they, they, you got to be in Minnesota. They were 19, no, 17 and five, something like that. Then they went out and lost six in a row. And like, it's fine to lose at Iowa, it's fine to lose to Ohio State, but a loss at Wisconsin, not good. A 15-point loss at Maryland isn't great. A a 15-point loss to Illinois, again, not great. So a team that hasn't made the tournament in like a decade, something like that. Like they were in. They were comfortably in. All they had to do was not collapse. And they're close to collapsing. Uh, Kelly Mazzanti ain't walking through that door. Uh, Maryland at Indiana. Good job, Terps. I was worried. They've taken care of business. I don't think this is a must win. Do you? No, I think they're fine either way. I think they're you, fine as long as they don't what lose in the first game of the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, yeah. Don't pick up like a real sticker, like a Wisconsin loss or something in the Big Ten tournament. But I don't know. Even if they have to play someone decent, I think they're pretty comfortable. I don't think they're in like last four in territory. They are right now one, two, three, four, five, seventh. And I think they'll pretty much stay there again. I don't know how some of these tiebreakers work, but they're playing in that like eight nine game you're looking at, like Michigan, Penn State, Illinois, maybe Wisconsin. So yeah, as long as, as long as you just take care of business, make it yeah, make it. I easier mean, they gave up 112 yourself. to Penn State earlier this year, so anything yeah, I, I think it's possible. I uh, think if you lose to like a Penn State, I don't know that they're necessarily out. But Michigan, we'll meanwhile, they've. Struggled a bit. They have what three wins in February to one, two, four, six losses. Uh, must win against Purdue. Yeah, you absolutely have to win against Purdue. If you don't beat Purdue, you can say goodbye to the tournament. Would they need to, assuming they beat Purdue, would they need to win a couple or one or two? Just I think one for data points. I think one. I feel like they've already got 17 wins. One will probably do it, but you got to beat Purdue first. Uh, and that leaves SEC, South Carolina, Tennessee is the, you can call it the marquee game because they're two big names. Um, Tennessee kept it close for three quarters in Knoxville. 
not as emotional of a senior day as it would have been last year with the freshies, but still senior day last last home game until the tournament. I'm not expecting Tennessee to go in and realistically threaten to upset the top ranked team of the country, but some bubble teams, Auburn was red hot. I say red hot given the expectations of the Tigers. Like they beat LSU and I thought, all right, that's just a bad team who beat LSU kind of a freaky game, but they've played their way out of the bubble. Mm -hmm. Just don't, don't go to Florida and lose. Yeah. Yeah. Don't lose to Florida. That will, that will hurt your chances of being on the right side of it. And then Vanderbilt, who I thought I'll credit, the Commodores. I thought they'd kind of fizzle out an SEC play. And it looked like they were going to do that. They lost five straight end of January, early February. Tough part of the schedule. Tennessee, yeah. South Carolina, Ole Miss, Bama, LSU. Those are five tournament teams. They've won four or five. They've all on the road, all of these wins. Nice win over Texas A&M in there. Nice win over, again, Fringe, Arkansas. Are they, like, are they fairly comfortably in? I feel like they're sitting in the bubble just because they're like eight and seven in conference play, which is barely 500, but they do have 20 wins. So I feel like it's hard to leave a 20 win team in a major conference out of the field. Now, to be clear, they're non conference. They play yeah, no nobody. Yeah. But again, there's the difference between when LSU plays nobody and LSU wins a lot of games and they won the national title last year and mm-hmm. Vanderbilt, who first time being over 500 in ages get wins where you need to get wins i can't find them on the net well they're 56 in the net yeah that's not helping them um but i don't know i feel like it's hard to leave especially they win this weekend like to leave a 21 22 win team out out just i don't know doesn't feel right fair enough do you know we can finish up um do you obviously you're going to be at the big east tournament Mm-hmm. So that's an exotic, luxurious Uncasville, <laughs> Connecticut. If you've never been to Mohegan Sun or Foxwoods in Connecticut, you're just in the middle of nowhere with trees for like 25 minutes. And then, poof! Giant casino. Giant casino. <laughs> and then you drive 10 minutes in the middle of nowhere, and then, poof! Second giant casino. Uh, do you know where the ACC tournament is? Uh, Greenville? Greensboro. Greensboro. It was close. I knew it had green in it. <laughs> Where's the Big Ten? Minnesota? Minneapolis? Sold out. Big 12? Kansas City? Yes. And they finally did the smart thing. And they they used to, if you recall, they would play regular season games next week. And then they'd basically do their tournament simultaneously with the men. Yeah. They wisened up and realized, oh, no one's watching our games because everyone's watching the tournament game so we should just do that too uh pack 12 vegas and sec the other green town greenville yes <laughs> greenville's a great little town uh congratulations you won uh this week's geography you got a gold star uh i know you have stuff coming to the washington post is yes. that coming soon? sometime today sometime today yep. okay bracketology updated it yesterday do you need to revise it based on the top 16 yeah, I'm going to revise a little bit. I have to move Oklahoma up. Beyond that, I don't know how much it needs to move. I've got to adjust for last night, too, so I haven't. I'll do it at some point today. Probably just the top few lines, though. All that, and for your bosses listening, you're going to work. You're yes, going to do your yes. job. 
Yes. <laughs> now, Megan's going to be locked in to work this month. Give her a raise. Uh, <laughs> follow her on Twitter at Megan Gower. Follow her on her hoopstats.com. Follow her on the Washington Post. Subscribe. Old school journalism. Megan, enjoy the final weekend of the regular season, and we will talk next week for tournament time. Yes, sounds good.